Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is being brought to you and created by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. They have creation tools that allow you to edit and record your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast to all of the platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor has all the tools to get your podcast going. When you're ready to start your podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. To another episode of this podcast. Hope you all are doing great. I am here today with Roundtable Regulars, Christian and Brian. Hola. Hello. How are you guys? Good. How are you? Amazing. I am making it. It's right. been a while since I've been on the table. Yes, sir. Yes. So how has things, how's life been treating you so far in 2021? Life's been doing going pretty good for me in 2021. Not bad at all. Things are looking up. I have to say that. That's good. Big brother Christian. Things are good. I've been tired, but good. Just working. But I can't complain. And I'm happy that I'm here. Good. Being very productive. It is Cinco de Mayo, so happy Cinco de Mayo to everybody. Ay, ay, ay! Um, except, I can do that. Yes, except the people who wanted to... Be, wanted, someone to build a wall. You don't celebrate this. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you do not celebrate this. I don't want you I don't want to see you at any Mexican restaurant eating a fucking fajita tonight. Because you margarita not night. it's margarita. Night. Margaritas and fajitas or whatever you want to drink with your margaritas. That's right. No you, excuses. It's not your day. Go get a grilled cheese sandwich. It's too yes. soon. Nothing with Ida at the end. Um well I don't have any margaritas, sorry. So I have I'm drinking lemonade and rum per usual because after this I'm gonna eat, so I don't want to eat drink anything heavy. Smart, <laughs> smart. What are you drinking? <laughs> I've got a whole bottle of wild turkey, American honey. Yeah, American honey. American honey. Never heard of this. It's so good. It kind of looks like honey. For everybody in the early 2000s, remember the days of wild <clears throat> turkey being the go-to drink at the clubs. Yeah, this is. Uh, this is thirty five percent. It's it's strong. ABV. 
It, it, it's turning my voice a little deep. Okay. <laughs> but it's really good. It's really tasty. Good I am drinking Coors Banquet. Yeah, shit's so good, though. That beer is so good. Brewed in Golden, Colorado. It's like <laughs> the power shake of beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not Coors Light. Not Coors Light. Coors. Coors Banquet. The original Banquet. Banquet. That shit is delicious. It is pretty good. Ice cold? I can't do it warm, though. This one's getting a little warm because there's only a little bit left. Better chug it. Oh, it's going down. It's going down, Clem. I won't stare at you, so it'll make you nervous. Well, do you drink that cold, the the honey? Uh, no, honey? I drink it straight. <laughs> I can't drink anything straight. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, it's it's different sipping it rather than taking shots. I can't do shots anymore. Oh. If I do one shot, I'll throw up. So if you do like a little sip, right, you can enjoy it. Right. And even like a if I was to knock off this little bit right here, I'd probably yeah. puke on you. So. Oh. Yeah, I can't do anything that reminds me of shots just because it's been a minute. If you do, days. don't do it on the new couch. Right. Mm-mm. It's sure work, so that's what I have to come to <laughs> that. So. It's what a sure Yes. I mean, I don't want to encourage you to go puke. but No, I no, no. I mean, shit, you got a kitchen right there, man. I go to the sink, if anything. Right. But, yes, it's still insured. So anything... Trash compactor. Garbage like, disposal. No, anything like a spill or a tear, I just call them. They just come get it and replace it. Well, so cool. Damn. I wish I would have thought of that with all of mine. Insurance. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's working. I mean, I haven't had any type of spills or anything. <laughs> But um, knock on wood. But um, yeah, I do have that little warranty insurance thing on. That's it. nice. Couch. That's good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, well, guys, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. It's good all to right. be back. So, as you all know, last year we have, and still currently, we have been dealing with this Panda Express of a pandemic, and Christian. Throughout the pandemic, filmed a full-length movie. Yeah. And it's called Two Bosses, and it's on YouTube. Um, So just to start off, what is Two Bosses about? Two Bosses is about two brothers who are billionaires who came from El Barrio the Bronx. They came from nothing. Worked their way up to become billionaires and during COVID, the movie takes place in COVID, they decide to uh, isolate and quarantine. They both catch COVID, and they decide to quarantine in their Atlanta loft mm-hmm. um, to hide from the world um, and keep low. Uh, and while they're doing that, they have to still manage business. Dun, dun, dun. The business. The family business. The family business. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're mafia. Um they it yeah I can't really give it away. They it's like they run a mob but not ish. Legitish. Legit mob ish ish. Mob. <laughs> okay ish. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, you're also in the movie too. Yes. So talk about your character. My character's what's so funny. <laughs> yes. Yes. I am in the movie. Yes. You are. That's my answer. That is your answer. I am, I play um, David McKenzie, otherwise uh, known as Papa Mickey. 
Mickey um, McKenzie. Yes. David Mickey McKenzie. David Mickey McKenzie. Let Papa Mickey handle it. Let Papa Mickey take care of things. Yeah, and so I it, it was it was really fun doing the role. Uh, Christian kind of let me do whatever I wanted to do. So I have various uh, hairdos um, throughout the movie. Very dynamic character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was it was fun. It was fun, no doubt. You don't have to lie just because I'm here, oh, by the way. And I'm an accountant. You are an accountant. Right. Who has some really good technical kind of programming knowledge as well. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of hacking skills, you know, which the ladies are into. <laughs> They're into hacking. <laughs> I'm a hacker and that manages billions. <laughs> yeah. oh, shit, I'd buy. <laughs> so, Christian, I know like you filmed this during the Pandemonium tour. So what kind of inspired you to film a movie? Uh, So something that I've always wanted to do. uh, And then when I got the news that we had to quarantine and isolate for so long, uh, I got worried because I'm a hyper-creative. And so if I wasn't able to go outside and do normal stuff, then I don't know what the hell I was going to do. So... Uh, I asked my brother, you know, who's, who lives with me, I said, do you, uh, I said, why don't we film a movie? And at first I said it jokingly and he was like, hell yeah. He's like, let's do it. I was like, okay. I didn't have a script. I didn't have anything. I was just like, let's just film a movie. Like, why not? I have cameras. Like, we'll figure it out. And I knew that the DSLRs that I had were capable of filming like good footage. So I was like, I'm just going to put this to the test. And if it doesn't work out, we're going to just quiet it out. Right? I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm doing this. So if it's just a huge fuck up, then it's whatever. But at least I tried. And after filming random footage for about two hours, I came home and I put it into my iMovie. And I started editing and just talking over the footage. I was like, oh, I love this. It was hooked. It was addictive. It was so cool. And so I didn't have a script at first. I didn't have anything. I was just like, uh, yeah, let's just try it out. And so the first month that I started it, I started writing a script as I was going along. And then I just, uh, I spent about, I had many 20-hour days just writing, filming, writing, filming, writing, filming. And it just grew and then, uh, so it took the first episode took me about a little over six hundred months uh, hours that month, uh, and then I took a day off, and then I started with episode two. And so originally, it started off as a series. Yeah. So the so the way I wanted to do it was because I didn't have the budget. I I told myself if I'm going to do this on a zero dollar budget, then the best way to market it is to break it up in episodes. And then the third episode would be the entire movie, right? So, but I didn't tell anybody that. I was just calling it a movie series. So basically, like, the first, well, like, the first series was, like, a pilot. Basically, yep. Okay. Yep. So it was, like, a one episode, and then it took off really well, I think. And then I was like, okay, so I'll finish episode two. And then I was like, oh, shit. I was like, okay, so... And I, at the end, I, I knew that I wanted it to be a whole movie, but I didn't tell Brian, I didn't tell the cast of what I was doing, really. I was just like, yeah, I'm working on it, you know, doing whatever. Uh, and so episode one uh, broke out, and then episode two came out the month after, 
And then I used episode one and two to kind of hype up the end part, the part three, so that when part three came out as the whole movie, people would be like, oh, shit, like, there's the new footage, right? But except it would play all the episodes all as a whole movie. Right. So it was an hour and 45-minute movie, uh, which is still crazy to me, the fact that it's that long. It was a lot of fucking work. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. But then after episode two, I took a break until December. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was like seven. No, that was like six months of a break. And then those six months I used to promote the movie. I created the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, and pushing promos, creating promos, creating everything, hyping it all up on TikTok, everything. And it was just my way of uh, promoting it on a zero-dollar budget because there was no way that I could afford you know, ads and all that stuff for it the way I wanted to. And so um, then December came, and I started writing the, the end script. And then I started filming it in January, and we finished it in February at the end and I posted it March 19th and then I had to re-upload it three times but whatever like the original still has about 4,000 views on it so that's that's good yeah but the the new one has about 300 views just because it's brand new that I re-had I posted it four weeks ago it's been a month already since I reposted the third time um but yeah uh I would love for everybody to check it out man I, I don't I see it growing into something massive you know, yeah. For the the fact that you did it on a zero dollar but zero dollar budget says a lot. Cause you know, as us creatives, we try to channel our energy into something that's not something that we normally do. Mm-hmm. Cause you you do. I mean, you're you kind of dabble in a lot of things, and for you to make a whole movie during. Um, <laughs> During doing this Pantene Pro V, it's something <laughs> completely like it's, it's it's inspiring. So, what inspired you to film this movie, or what influences or films that you got from as far as developing a concept for your movie Two Bosses? That's a good question. Um, you know, again, I I came into this thing with no game plan, right? I didn't I didn't know what kind of movie I wanted to film. I knew I wanted it to be a a gangster film, but I didn't know what it was going to look like. Uh, So I started thinking about my favorite ones, like Goodfellas and uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico and Mariachi, you know, Robert Rodriguez films, uh, Quentin Tarantino films, uh, Scorsese films. And so I started, uh, it it became this, I want to pay an homage to all my favorite mob movies. Mm -hmm. Right? So you get the vibe of, Goodfellas when when I narrate. You get the vibe of El Mariachi when I walk out with the guitar case. You get the vibe of Pulp Fiction a little bit and of some other mob movies out there. You know, so it was just the ultimate flattery and respect that I can give to my the movies that inspired me the most. This was like my thank you to them and kind of thing. So basically the idea with that popped in your head while thinking about this was mob. Yeah. For okay. sure, yeah. It was like, I'm going to do a, a mob film, but I wanted to do one that, in a way that was never done before either. The storyline was completely different than any other mob movie. So that was the challenge for me, was how the hell am I going to do a mob movie that's not been done 15 times over? Right. Well, you know what I'm saying? And socially distanced mob movie. Right? Yeah, with the challenges that you yeah, had. Yeah, yeah. Because I had actors from all over the world. I right. had bands from all over the world. 
Yeah, so we're going to jump into that. As far as uh, the actors, how did you recruit people to mm-hmm. be part of the movie? And how did you, like, develop their characters? Oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah. So I knew I wanted actors from all over the world. Because I also said, if I'm going to do this fucking thing, I'm going to need to do it. I, I have to go ham. Because anybody can just pick up a camera and say, yeah, I filmed a movie. But can you film a movie with actors from fucking Uganda, Turkey, all these other places, you know? Right. And so I knew I needed characters that spoke different languages. Mm-hmm. Because that was going to surefire be a, a thing for me to have to reach out and, and outsource. But I didn't want it to be like Canada or Mexico. Like, I needed it to be like distance, like Europe or... Wherever. Wakanda. Wakanda, forever. You know, and so I, uh, I got on a, I joined about 20 Facebook uh, actors, uh, Facebook groups. And I just said, hey guys, I'm filming a movie on a zero dollar budget. It's already in production, but I'm, I've got an opening for about two roles, if anybody's interested. At the time, I had Musazi's role um, in place, and before I even met Old Boy... And then I had somebody else from, like, some other country. I can't remember what. But then I decided because of time that I was just going to have my person from Uganda. And so I said in a Facebook group, I said, anybody from Uganda in here want to be in a movie? It's on a $0 budget, but you get speaking lines. And you have, you know, this is going to give you an opportunity to have actual film time and speaking time. And they were like, hell, I had about 20 people immediately jump on it. Because, you know, it was just offering that. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize... Because I don't do movies normally, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't realize how important film reel for actors really is. Right, where they get the opportunity to actually speak. They're like, "You're gonna give me a speaking role? Like, are you fucking kidding me?" And I was like, "Yeah." And you get to be on camera because it's social distance. I get to record you on the cell phone, and they flip their shit. And so I talked to three guys, three of them from Uganda, two of them from Uganda, one of them from South Africa, and it was the kid from. Uganda, who was going to school in Turkey, that just, Abu Bakar, he, he fucking just ate my heart up. He was already an actor. He had done short films up there, and he was super talented, and I loved his inflection and his accent, and um, and I asked him how many languages he spoke, and, and then uh, he was the one that was like, that truly set it apart because he was in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to do this. You know, we figured it out. Um, and then he was the one who taught me how to speak Luganda in yes. the movie. Because he was just, Which is amazing. Well, I mean, I wrote the script, and then I was like, I wonder if, how hard it would be for me to learn, like, the language. Because it's only, like, two-minute scene. Uh, but I asked him, and he was just like, yeah, I can translate it for you. And so he translated the script, and then we went back and forth, and he sent me audio clips on WhatsApp, and I had to study Practice. it, and then I sent it to him, and he'd be like, no, that's ass, like, go resend it and, like, redo <laughs> it, because I didn't want to have an accent. I wanted to sound like I actually knew what the hell yeah. I was saying, right? So it was a challenge. It was crazy. It's a hell of a challenge to do it. And then you have Brian, who's part of the movie. So yeah. how was your overall experience filming a movie, not realizing that you're filming a movie on a $0 budget during this Panda Express, but just being part of something like this? I think for me, it was more about um, wanting to support my friend, mm-hmm. you know, and and um, do whatever he needed me to do to support him. 
you know? And so when he brought, you know, brought up the idea of being in the movie, I was like, heck yeah, I'll do it for sure, you know? And the cool thing was he let me be myself. So when we were going over lines and that kind of thing, he he would let me change things up, let me say in in ways that felt comfortable to me, um, which was awesome. Let me do my crazy hairdos, different outfits. It was just nuts. You know, I got to fire an AR-15, which is pretty cool, (laughs) you know, in the movie. You know, that was kind of fun. Oh, and that goes back to your question, too, of like, um, how did I write the scripts for the people? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have an audition piece in per se. I didn't audition my actors. I I had like hour long conversations with them mm-hmm. and really studied their mannerisms and their uh, the way they would just speak. And I would ask them questions to kind of get them like excited about something. If I noticed they were getting excited about something, so I can really see what they what they acted like and what they were in their own natural way. So I based. Off of that experience, I wrote their entire demeanor um, script to say they would say it this way and they would so say it that way. Basically, you wrote the care. You wrote their character just based on their overall personality. Mm-hmm. So they didn't even have to be somebody different. And the fact that well, Brian was different. He had like eighteen different hairstyles. Yeah, and but... the fact that with Brian, I have known Brian for so long, I have never seen him with a different hairstyle. So like seeing the movie and seeing him with a mohawk and some other blonde hair, of, yeah. yes, yeah. I've never seen like it's cool. So the fact that you just let him like you know what just fuck it just do whatever yeah that that, that made it cool yeah I appreciate it was it. fun yeah well and his character uh, I didn't know where the hell we were gonna go yeah he wasn't very much there so it's not all together there which is. Like me in real life. Right. No. <laughs> no, it is. No, but it was it was times like twenty, right? In yeah. the in the movie. Because right, right. your character can go from this corporate fella to this murderer mm-hmm. and then in between to this person who doesn't know who the hell he really is. Right. And so it was cool because overall, as I filmed it per episode, I didn't know what the hell it was gonna look like until that episode. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was like watching the growth of the movie. The growth of my directing experience, because you could tell how much better I got by the end of the movie. The growth of my characters, yes, grew, the actors, and the yeah. comfort. So the whole thing was this like representation of growth, which is the way I look at it now, which is beautiful to me as a right, film, right, because it all ties in so perfectly at the end. All the characters, like their purpose. Yeah, you know, I was watching it and I'd be like, yeah, they don't, they don't. Like, I took a while before I watched it again, and I was just like, yeah, the characters really don't make sense here. And then, as I'm watching it progress over time together, I'm like, holy shit, this entire script made perfect sense for every single character. Mm-hmm. It, it made perfect sense. Yeah. You know? Was that one of your challenges, filming, as far as the the acting part with different with the characters that you created? Like, what was the overall challenge that you had filming this movie? Oof, fuck. Um, that was a challenge. It was, it was, you know what, believe it or not, it wasn't even like scheduling all the actors at the same time. Like that, that is hard, right? There was one scene where I had maybe eight actors in one scene. And that, that was so easy because I was like, Hey, what does Wednesday at this time look like? And they were like, yeah, I'm free. I'm free the whole day. And they were all free. 
And that's, I was like, that's surprising. what the fuck? Because yeah. I thought that was going to be the hardest part, right? Getting scheduled. And they're all different. All different fucking characters. And that was a 10-hour film day at the train yard. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But the challenge, the, the biggest challenge for me, I think, was, uh, was honestly writing the script as I was filming throughout. There, there was no script to go off. There was no... Um, Illustration, like what do you call them? The storyboard. Storyboard. Yeah. There was nothing like that, <clears throat> so I had to figure out on the spot how I wanted this to look, and and even though I knew I had an eye in the first episode and shit was looking cool and it was really raw and gritty, episode two then became this like, let me see how fancier I can get with angles and like different shots. So they're like weird close ups of shit that you wouldn't normally get close ups of. Like, yeah. And then the third one was just balls to the wall. Like I got it now. I know what I want. I know what my vision is. Brian, what was your challenge as far as acting and portraying your character? Oh my gosh, I'm not an actor. Besides first the of all. hair, yeah, the hair. No, that was that was not a challenge. That was like I get to be a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I'm not an actor. But like I said, I wanted to support my friend, so I just did the best I could. Now the cool thing was because of the way it's filmed, and I don't know if you want to give some of this stuff away, but because of the way it's filmed with people being socially distanced, mm -hmm. I was able to keep a script in front of me. Right. Now, <clears throat> I, I, I have to say, just like you're saying, the growth of the characters, the growth of the actors, as I, when I did the second episode, I did better at memorizing the lines and sounding a lot more natural and that kind of thing. So you can see the difference between first episode, second episode. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the biggest challenge was that I'm just not used to, to acting, you know, so, but <clears throat> I learned from it. And by the time he filmed the, the, the last episode or the completion of the, the full movie, you know, that's when we had a lot of fun, you know, and I got to cry on, on film and I got to, you know, shoot guns and, uh, you know, and really get kind of in really deep into the role, you know, so that was, that was fun. Okay. I learned a lot. I know, and then with your hair too, I learned a lot about your, yeah. your hairstyle. Isolation You have hair. to remember too that when he called me, before the scenes, I didn't know what the hell it was going to look like. like he, he told me that he was going to have a mohawk, but I didn't see it until I was. it was film time, and then all of a sudden he answers the phone, and I'm just like... Yeah, and well, the mohawk shit. is blue, but you can't tell that in the movie. But you mention it, though, right? Oh, yeah, I do mention it. You like it. the blue? Yeah. You like the blue makes me but look But I was young. like, holy shit. It was like, you look like a totally different person. So, yeah, you go from corporate, which is cool, because you go from corporate to punk rock to... Uh, gangster, like true gangster, right? With the coat and everything. Yeah. This is exactly what happens when white people stay in the house too long. With their <laughs> hair yeah. and everything else. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. I got bored. <laughs> I'm in the house bored. Bored in the house and I'm in the house bored. Yeah. So, okay, so you're like 90% done filming this movie while you were doing it throughout the whole um, Pandora Express. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> What what what's what's your like headset at the moment when you're almost done? Now that you have an outline of your movie, now that you have your flow of how the movie's gonna go, how it's gonna end, 
you're filming your last scene. Oh my gosh. How did that feel and what was like what was the overall experience? So the last scene was at the train yard that I filmed. There was a scene that was really important with my brother that was towards the end, but I filmed that a week a couple weeks before. The final scene after I got done filming it, it was holy crap, I can't believe I had the entire movie on camera. Like holy shit, I did it. Yeah, you called me. Yeah, it was I just emotional. Finished. I just yeah. finished the, the movie. Like, I don't even know what to think or what to say right now. But then it was an immediate, like, I think I'm going to go shit myself because now I have to edit it. And I have, like, a week to not only edit the entire thing, but to post it live on YouTube, make sure that everything's fucking legit. And it was it was nauseating. It, it went from, like, yes! To shit, no, this is sucks now. Like this is so stressful. So, but it went off without a hitch. Yeah, and then I was making the, too much out of it because then it t- only took me like two days to edit the entire scene, like the entire whole the whole thing. The live went great. Everything went off without yeah. a complete. I mean, yeah, it was perfect. It was so emotional. Opening night was emotional. Yeah, on YouTube, cool. I watched. Did you? Uh, I did. Oh my gosh, dude! I was in tears, bro. It was so, uh, it was so surreal, man. I don't know. Like, I can't imagine what a director goes through, first time director, in a theater pre-COVID, filled with a fucking packed house, and then watching the audience react to every little detail, right? But what was cool with YouTube was that the comments. It was the same uh-huh. same thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to see facial expressions. I was reading comments about the whole thing. People were freaking out. They were texting me. They were messaging me on Facebook. They were just like, oh, my God, what the fuck? And, like, just was so cool. And then at the end, like, you see all the emojis and the clap emojis. And, and then I had Tristan, baby beard, crying. His dad was like, holy shit. That was – it was – that's how I know that directing is my end goal. When you see the impact that your creation can have when you not only involve somebody creatively into it, mm-hmm. like that, but then to see the reaction of their pride, because they put in a lot of fucking work and they did it for free. The dedication. The yeah. dedication. And then when they get to see the reaction of people on TikTok. I had TikTok live, I had Instagram live, I had YouTube live, I was live on all platforms. And they were just like... It was, I could not ask for anything better than that. To see, like, the emotion behind that, right? Yeah. And, the, and I'm, I mean, Kevin, Tristan, seasoned actors. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. They've done this before. <clears throat> but they never had speaking roles this, this long. Yeah. Um, Mikhail Kuzmich. Yeah. Uh, Kelly. All these actors. And Christine in Seattle. Mm-hmm. All of these people who had never been in a film and who had never been a part of something like this. Gloria. Gloria Bianco. Shit. Killed yeah. it. Yeah, she did. She killed it. And they're so fucking humble about it. And I'm like, you don't fucking understand what you just did, you know? <clears throat> like, they don't. They don't see the overall magnitude of this project. It's massive. It's massive. And so it's like, it's so humbling also for me to see because I'm like... You guys are beyond human. 
but in my eyes, I'm filming you and I'm watching the movie and I get fucking goosebumps watching Kelly do Gloria Bianco, Mikhail Kuzmich's roles, Tristan doing his roles with Rocky. I, I get goosebumps watching this shit. Yeah. And I filmed it. And it Very wasn't emotional. And it had nothing to do with me being a director because right. I let them be themselves. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like it's creation, but it's really just capturing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the beautiful part about it for me. It was really weird. Really, really different from a creator standpoint for me. Usually, if you're as a photographer, you take pictures, you like a photo shoot, you're comfortable with it, you put it out. Your client's like, "Oh my god, they're beautiful." Your client's like, eh, "I'm not really too happy with it," but you, you kind of know what you're gonna get from what you put in. You have no idea what it's like to when you're capturing the talent of somebody. It's a whole nother world and a whole nother realm of it. Well, you know, you talked about um, filmmaking being your end goal, right? <clears throat> it's amazing to me that you said to your brother, hey, let's film a movie. You want to film a movie? Just like on a whim. Let's just film a movie. Because what's amazing to me about that is <clears throat> everything you've done since I've known you and things you've told me about in your life up to that point was to build you for filmmaking, right? Writing, photography, art. Music editing, audio editing. All of it. The yeah. music, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, it pointed you in that direction. And I, this is my personal opinion, and I know I'm biased because we're friends, but I think that filmmaking is your sweet spot. Um, I don't know if it's a passion for you, but it, but it, it it's it's amazing. I, you, the way your brain thinks. I'm gonna <laughs> film this scene this way, and then I'm gonna film this you know this this way, and we're gonna add these words here. Your brain is constantly thinking about how this is all gonna fit together, and and um, you're thinking five steps ahead of where you are at the current moment, right? Correct. And that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do. Not a lot of people have brains like that. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm not blowing smoke. You're my buddy. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And and I know I'm biased, but I really think this is this is, dude, this is it. Yeah. This is your thing. No, it felt it felt right. Let me ask you, from a creator to creator. Mm-hmm. Have you ever tried creating in any other aspect besides photography where you were like, yeah, that was cool, but it's not my shit. It's not my thing. Weddings. There you go. <laughs> Perfect example. Right? Yeah. As much as he loves photography, he'll be goddamn to do a wedding. Right. He'll be like, uh-uh. Even though I saw that post one day where you were like, I'm going, I, I, I don't know what drugs you were on that day. She said, <laughs> I would, I'm going to wait until I'm just, I will hold my wedding off until you change your mind to take my wedding picture. Ma'am, go get married. Oh my god. Just go god. get married. <laughs> I'm not doing it. No. I'm not doing it. Did you do it? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know the bitch is married. Like, yeah. I will hold off my wedding for you. Well, keep holding because I'm but, not doing it. But that shows how much people love you. That's right. And your skills. That's right. right. That's the people That's love dedication. You. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fandom. Well, <laughs> so if, you, if, you, if you say that... But we're not talking about me. No, we're no, talking sorry. about the movie. No, I can't but, but that's talk a, about my friends. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> irrelevant at this point. But no. Brian, like no. you watching the movie for the first yeah. time, yeah, live. How did you feel knowing that not only that your friend made this movie for the free ninety nine on a zero dollar budget, yeah. but 
you being part of it and everybody else watching it. How did you feel? I was excited, like really excited. Like, you know, put it on the big TV and put YouTube up there and got everybody quiet and ready and, oh, it's coming on, you know, and the countdown's coming down and all that stuff. And it's just really exciting. And, you know, um, I... Was it weird to watch you? Weird to watch me? Um, Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. I'd probably gotten used to it by the time you had rolled the the full-length film out, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's probably weird the first episode. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about launch, like, premiere night, the full-length movie is what I was thinking about. Oh, yeah, But it yeah. was so exciting, dude. It was so exciting. And, you know, Christian was lot Like, I think, didn't we get on one of your phones and do... Like we were FaceTiming each other or something like, like that. Yeah. So thing. I could yeah, so I could see what Christian was doing. Yeah. It was so cool, man. Yeah. It was like I was there. But again, we were socially distancing kind of thing, right? Yeah. So that's you know, that was part of why I wasn't with him at that time. But um really exciting. Really exciting. And I think the most exciting part was to watch the other actors mm-hmm. and how skilled they are, like how far off I am from what they're able to do. It's absolutely amazing, you know, the people who are pros at what they do. And there's a reason that they're pros, you know? Well, you did you did your part very naturally to the point where I don't even realize you were acting. Right. So, and that, yeah. and yeah. that's why I wrote okay. it that way. Okay. Because you were being yourself. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like me, like honestly, I couldn't be in a movie where I'm a character where it's not even like remotely equal to my personality because I feel like I'm going to try too hard. Like, I feel like I need acting classes or uh, some type of switch up because yeah. I can't go into a movie. Like, I'm a creative. I'm a photographer. I, that's what I do. I can't go into a um, movie role as a basketball player. So now I have to get my skills right. You know, I have to do a three-pointer right. Like, I got to like look like... LeBron and Steph Curry had a you're a perfectionist like you're right I'm a very it's it's I don't know it's part of the Libra in me but I feel mm-hmm. like I have to dedicate myself super hard if you're going to give me a task like that yeah and it's not only just with the arts world it's with other stuff in life like work yep. and other shit like I want to dedicate my time and energy on something if you're giving me something to do so if I don't do it right if I feel like I'm not doing it right, I'm going to fluster and fuck up. The same mm-hmm. thing with, uh, like, you know, with Christian, you know, like how we edit pictures. We're going to dedicate a certain time to edit pictures or um, for you editing uh, clips and, uh, you know, movies. And if it's not to your liking, you know, you're going to get a little agitated. You're going to get a little flustered. Man, but you want to make me. sure, you know, you want to make sh- you basically you want to make sure that whatever you're putting out there doesn't look like I didn't dedicate too much time on, into it right absolutely time. so that's that's the thing for me like I don't want to give a director or a producer or anybody their waste of time if I'm not giving that energy that you expect me to give because of my nature my personality because right. I can I can give you I can give you a character, but I have to commit to that character. Right, right. So that's the crazy thing about it. I really want to, like, make sure we have, make sure I 
put that time and effort into something that I do. So I want to make sure I perfect it for that particular person. Yeah. So it's it's hard to kind of dedicate yourself into that hard. to that role. It is. And and that's the thing too. I being that this was my first movie is I didn't want to have a lot of pressure on my actors. I don't want to be that director that was going to be a dick to work with. You know what I mean? That was like that made a um a, my actors are doing this shit for free. Yeah. Musicians are dedicating it for free. Right. There is no fucking way I'm going to go in this place and be like, you're doing this shit. And that's not my nature anyway. You know? Yeah. But I uh, I wanted to provide the most comfortable, creative space for people. Right. Um, so you, you didn't want to go in just being all like, oh my God, I have a camera now, so I'm a director. Correct. And like when you lay you out action and they sneeze, cut! No! That's not what we're doing. <laughs> Absolutely. And, there were, and there, were some, there were some actors that had about 20-something takes, right? And they were like, oh my God. And I was like, who cares? Like, have fun with it. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Like, we're cutting up. I have all the bloopers. I still want to do all the bloopers that I have. They're hilarious. But um, it, it's it's interesting to watch, and it's like same thing as in in the world of photography. If you have a person doing a pose, specific pose, and they take the picture the first time and it doesn't feel natural to them, they're like, "Hold on, let me try it again." And you take it again, and they're like, still not liking it. Finally, by like the third or fourth time, they're fucking owning that pose, mm-hmm. right? Same thing as somebody reading their lines. First time they're like, all right, cut. right, all right, cut. And then the third time they're like saying it, and they fourth time they're like owning it. Fifth time they're like in that bitch. So it's just this natural progression, and they don't, they're not even paying attention. It's and so a lot cool of, to watch. And a lot of people don't know that's that's the whole part of making a movie or filmmaking. You're not going to uh, get the first like your first take or your first scene no right on right off the rip it's going to take lots of takes and so a lot of people don't realize that the the scene that you're looking at was the 40th take that we took and then this next scene that's coming up was like the second or third take so right. it takes a while for that's you know so especially true. for a creative to make sure it seems one natural and two make sure it seems to the point where it's it feels comfortable for the person that is uh, portraying the character. Mm-hmm. That's right. So That's now right. that you have this movie out and it's on YouTube, um, has this inspired you to film more movies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm working on a part two right now. I was going to ask, will there be a sequel? <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a sequel, and it's uh, it's more highly focused on Tristan's character, the kid. Um, and it'll still have all the other characters in there, but they'll be making more of like cameos. And then there's going to be a third one um, filmed in Durango, Mexico. And then there's going to be a uh, sci-fi as well. <laughs> you want to be a damn sci-fi, sci-fi so bad. I want it to be a sci-fi. Why sci-fi? Two bosses, well, 2029. Yeah, exactly. I've got this short story that I wrote when I was in college and I gave it to Christian. I was like, we can make a movie out of this. <laughs> <laughs> we totally could, though. Yeah. I'm actually getting software to help me out with that, dude. Yeah, it's I don't possible. know. Really? It's possible. Uh, yeah, man. I, to me, uh, sci-fi is like big budget, big budget. Mm-mm. You know, because you're in space. Technology right that? now is so fucking crazy. Dude. Yeah. They have programs that you can plug into your footage that puts you in places that you would never believe. 
you know? Durango, Mexico. That's going to be a fun one. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. So with this, this is a production that is uh, under your business, Mod Atlas Media. Mm -hmm. So has this type of um, film or this film in general... Is this something that's going to pursue on your platform to make commercial, short films? Um, Under the media company? Yes. Yeah. So I'm actually in the middle of changing my uh, business niche into automotive photography only. I'm pulling away from, well, I'm doing consulting for social media marketing and, and still helping small businesses here and there. But the overall gist of my company is to do automotive photography and, and automotive social media uh, for them because there's a huge market there that nobody's really tapped into yet. Don't get any ideas, bitches. Um, <laughs> I already own the market. Uh, but no, it, it, really, it really does help because now there's also a market to where as an entrepreneur I can go on Instagram and stalk a hashtag for a business, message 50 businesses in one week and be like, I can give you a badass commercial for set price that's going to up your business, right? And there's like so many ways that you can use that skill alone. But now you have to tap into your marketing brain, right? Mm -hmm. What the hell is that going to look like for a dentist if you're not at the dentist office or a lawnmower person or somebody who owns a garage and you're not anywhere near that garage? So you have to be really creative as far as the marketing set. But the passion for the filming is uh -huh. there. Right? That's the beautiful part. But I think if I can uh, if I can continue to... And I've taken kind of a hiatus the last couple of weeks since I posted it the third time. It kind of... I'm not even going to lie. It kind of discouraged me because uh, when I posted it, it, it gave credit to a lot of the music that I used. I used music from a lot of local bands, but I also... Uh, got approved to have um, John Williams, the producer from Star Wars mm -hmm. music, and like every other badass sci-fi movie, he plays um, a guitar piece that I use towards the end. Right. The whole thing is his, right? So I can't monetize it, but it didn't matter to me because it was a $0 budget anyway. Right. I wasn't looking to make money from this shit, period. So the problem is, is though, YouTube had issues with some of the songs that I used, and so they were, like, removing the songs or they were muting the songs. And it took me three times to repost it to finally I was like, listen, this is what I'm doing. I am not getting paid from this shit. Leave my fucking video alone. This movie is meant for this alone. Right. Right? And if a production company wants to pick it up in the future and then just create, like, whatever they want right. with music over whatever scenes, then fine. But you're still going to pay me, and you're still going to pay my actors, right? Speaking of that, have you ever considered Patreon? To have the film there, but have uh, a thing to donate for, for the people, cause. For the cause and support of the movie, so that way you can use that for other equipment that you may need That's to smart. film the sequel on a $0 budget. That's smart. Because you can still have the you can still have the film on there, and it can be exclusive on that website. But it'll have a thing where people can donate like a dollar or something, yeah. and that can be used towards you know whatever you need. Oh, for the, that's um, pretty cool. It's Patreon, right? Patreon. I need to check that out. I don't know why I never thought about that. 
I guess because I was so fucking helping. I mean, that's just, why. Like that's it. why you have me. There you go. Because <laughs> you know I'm always about donations. Well, that too, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing but, donations, baby. But you know, helping out to for for uh, me being a creative, that's something that it's a it's a project that you work so much and so hard to do during this. Um, no doubt. This whole uh, Pantene Pro V. So you want to make sure, one, it's, it's, it's something that you have been like, really wanted to do as far as the overall filming process. Mm-hmm. But to have it out and to have it showcased for everybody to see, and that, that just says a lot. That says a lot for a creative, for anyone who um, lacks motivation to do something out of their norm to you to make this whole movie on a zero dollar budget with actors who are all across the country and just have this feature and then everybody like it. It's like that if that doesn't motivate you to do whatever you want to do as a creative, then I don't know what it is. Yeah, and that's that's what it did. And Dion, you know, not to bash on where we are, and I don't know if you tell your viewers where we live, but where we live we are surrounded by very unmotivated, fickle bitches. Mm-hmm. And I can say that probably because I tell them to their faces, and I have for the last 25 years. And I mean no disrespect to anybody, but I'm going to call you out when you are showing so much hate to people. Or not you. <laughs> um, so this project was honestly had multiple purposes, eventually. And, and the way I always say with, with my creators is that if your project can develop a purpose, if it can develop a purpose, then it becomes more than a passion project. It actually serves a purpose, and you need to let people know what that purpose is. Okay. When I started Our City of Fountains, just as a little side note, as a photojournalist, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm going to use, and you. This is, I, I shouldn't word it this way. I'm going to create a platform that uses the stories of others to showcase my photography was the initial intent of our city of fountains. I got to get my photography out there. Let me show people what I can do as a photojournalist. So it was really using their stories as much as I learned and loved this project. But I'm telling you after like the second or third time I was doing it, my shit became, it had a purpose. It was now we're creating a chronological tale about the city that we're in through the lives of people showcasing through professional photography and it, it, it had a purpose. Real people. Real people. And they're real stories. Real stories yeah. Yeah. in the South right. talking about <clears throat> all types of shit and right. then my brain was like, holy fuck. Right. And then I thought, I'm going to be a photojournalist for the rest of my life. And that's how creators happen. You deep dive into so many things until you're like, holy shit. This movie was... I think I'm going to film a movie because I don't want to go out of my fucking mind during COVID. (laughs) Then you get in the movie and you're like, this actually has potential to be badass. Then it's badass. This has the potential to inspire people. By the second episode, I already knew that the purpose that I wanted, the first purpose I wanted this was to inspire the creative. Mm Mm-hmm. The, the creative who's like, man, I don't have money to do that shit. I can't do that shit. But they're not thinking outside the box. Man, I don't want to do that shit. That shit sounds too hard. It's really not. Right? 
and I'm very communicative of how I did it, but the purpose initially began as I need to show people that it doesn't matter what your situation is. If you are already in the realm of photography or videography, you already have everything you need. Right. Right? I didn't have to buy anything. I already did videography for through iMovie. You know, I even, if I had a Windows, I would use Movavi. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, it just, whatever you have, use it, right? It was my point. Right. And so, I didn't buy any extra equipment. I didn't buy anything for anything. I had to think outside the box. I had people donate shit. Right. Wigs. That happened. Right. Flowers. Flowers. Right. Got donated. Um, right. Little, little things. Oh, uh, blood. Props. Props. Blood, yeah, Props. yeah, special effects, those types of things. People lending me their sheds and blood and yeah. weapons and yeah. you know, so there was a lot of donation parts in there, right? But it's the it shows it goes to show, right? That it, it's like, dude, you can make this shit happen. You can do it. Just get out of your shell, and it's right. it's hard for a lot of people. So I get that. The second part of making my movie was a big fuck you for my doubters. <laughs> And I and I and I'm and I own that 100. percent People who were like, he ain't about shit. He ain't gonna do shit with his life. He ain't doing nothing creative. Blah blah blah. I was like, okay. And that was actually what the billboard was for. That was my ultimate fuck you for all my haters. Promote the movie and yeah. I didn't get shit from that billboard. I, right. I'm fifteen hundred dollars out of pocket on that billboard. But every time I drove by it, I was like, yep. And every time I stopped at that red light, I stick my hand out of the window and be like, yep, yeah, I did that. And everybody would then look and be like, what the fuck? Yeah, I saw the I first saw the billboard driving back. Um, he was like, this bougie motherfucker. <laughs> no, my friend, no. Was it? No, I was driving. I was driving uh, downtown, and I didn't know where the billboard was. Mm. That's my thing. I did not know where the billboard was. And I was driving, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's right there. It's giant. So I tried to take, my, I tried to my take a picture. Right, that's my friend. I tried to take a picture, so I had to, like, stop. And then I have these damn Barack Obama tenant windows in my damn car. So I had to roll the window down and try to take the picture while I'm driving yeah. illegally with my damn phone in the hand, trying to breaking the law for this damn picture. I was like, oh my God, that's my friend. Oh my gosh. But then I saw it again on the other billboard where. Um, Manchester. Yeah, the one on Manchester where it changes. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, now I can take an actual picture of the red light without trying to crash in anything. Mm-hmm. It was but, cool because the one in Phoenix City has. Um, it has my brother and my face, his face and my face, and the the skeleton rings digitize over our face. I don't know how the fuck they did it or if they did it by accident, but as the image changes, Fades. you can see the fucking skulls come over. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, too cool. I was like, shit, it was just ridiculous. Can we talk about this for just a second? Sure. Because <clears throat> I want to plug my friend again here, if you don't mind. Okay, so Christian, right? Mm-hmm. Acts in this movie. Kind of. Obviously, he was the director. Wrote the entire script end to end, okay? Cameraman. Editor of the film. Recruiting the cast. These are like individual people in a, in a normal movie, right? Um, costumes. Special effects. All that stuff. He did every single bit of that. Figuring out what music to put where, you know. I don't know what that is. Musical score? I don't know. It's not the... Scored by... Yeah, something like that. I don't I'm know. I'm not in this but industry. He, it's every single bit of it that he did, dude. Mm-hmm. Which, to me, is absolutely amazing. 
you know, I, I just have to say that. And a lot of people sure. fail to realize, like, half the stuff that influencers do, they're doing it by themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they don't have people because they probably don't have the budget. They don't have people to say, "Oh, um, work, manage my YouTube, or manage my social media platforms, or put this ad out here, or answer these emails." No, us creatives, like me and Christian and mm-hmm. other people, well, mm-hmm. you're creative too, and you do graphic design, but like a lot of people don't have a staff. Right. right, they don't have There's a no team. They don't have a manager. They don't. They don't. They're not represented by a company or anything like that. So a lot of creatives are out here doing shit on their own, and it amazes me how a lot of creators push and push, continue to push themselves to not only build a brand but an empire or create this empire. And you going looking back once you create this empire, you can be like, I started this with nothing. I started this with just me. I started this with just an idea in my head. To now, it's a huge um, nationwide phenomenon. Whatever you're doing, as far as a creative or influencer, you're starting at the at the very bottom. <clears throat> and a lot of people fail to realize, you know, every professional was once an amateur. Mm. So. It takes time. It's something that you're not going to do overnight. Like with your filming, I know it took you a huge amount of time to just gather shit together. But as you progressed on, you developed this this niche and developed this aesthetic that you want to have as far as filming this movie mm-hmm. to the point where you can look back on it saying, like, I did that. Mm-hmm. I did that. Mm-hmm. So it's it takes a lot as a creative to really put yourself in a situation where one, you're completely uncomfortable, but two, branching out of that comfort zone to pursue something. Whether you fall on your face or jump high for joy once it's over, you did it. No doubt. That's the only... That's That's the the beautiful magic of it. That's the crazy thing about it. A lot of creatives, whether it's filmmaking, photography, videography, they've had their slumps. They've had their downfalls. But... That one particular downfall is not going to jeopardize them to stop and just give up. They want to keep pushing forward and keep, you know, being driven. Because you're gonna be driven by you're gonna be driven by your supporters. You're gonna be driven by your heart, and you're gonna be driven by just your inner being to continue yes. to go on and just hundred percent be a creative. That's what that's that's what a creative is, right? They have to get that out. Oh they God. have to express that somehow. They've got to get it out of their body and get it done no matter what, right? Even, like you're saying, in the down times, you're, they're always going to come back because they can't help it. It's going to come out of the inside of them. Right. And that's the, that's the joy about being a creative because you never know, like, the ideas that kind of circulate in your head to the point where, you know what, let's try that. Let me just jump out of my comfort zone and just try this real quick. You know, whether it's a temporary thing or a permanent thing, I can look back and say, I tried it. I did it. Right. And that's that's just the beauty of it. Right. Right. It's right. a beautiful thing, man. For me, uh, honestly, I always wanted to be the creator that was uh, all about firsts. I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, okay, you yeah. wanted to be the creator that was all about first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to, I, 
for me, it's I can't even look at you now. <laughs> Don't look at me. That's probably a good idea. Um, no, but I always I always wanted to be first. When I look at my tattoo, man, I got this shit ten years ago. Okay, mm-hmm. not even trying to be sappy here. Modest Roots, my band, my solo project, was a movement to me, right? Because it was me coming out of my fucking comfort zone. I've never been this person my entire life. Like, it took me forever to get out. And, like, I was always outspoken and I was always, like, open. But the minute that I got on stage to actually play music or in a crowd to take pictures, I was like, everybody's staring at my ass now. So I've got to be this new person. I've got to be this new on-point person, right? And so I wanted this to not only be a fucking music project, I wanted it to be an inspiration to people, like a fucking movement where I can say, look, there is nothing that you cannot do, I promise you. If a fucking six foot two Mexican in the dirtiest, the dirtiest parts of the South can do what I've done. Damn good looking Mexican. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Get God. your boy. Mighty, I like looking at you. Oh my God. If I can. <laughs> <laughs> just do. No. Okay, I threw you off. Go ahead. No, it's okay. But if I can do what I've done in 25 years, then there's no excuse. <laughs> I wish you motherfuckers could see this boy. <laughs> oh, shit. Beer's kicking in. That's good. That's I keep good. fucking you up. You're, you're being so... I'm so passionate. passionate right now, and I'm fucking you up. No, no, no. My point is, is that if I can do it down here where I am facing challenges like racism, inequality, blah, 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 and the whole fucking nine yards, and still be able to stand up with my head up high... And still be able to get the likes, get the views, get the respect, get... And that's not what I do it for, but just to show. Because that stuff is more important for others than it is for me. And that's okay. But it's possible. That's all I'm saying. And what blows my mind is that people don't want to really just go the extra mile. I don't understand it. I don't... Maybe it's because I've always fucking pushed myself and I've always been the one to be like, you know what, fuck it. Let's just try it. Fuck up. Whatever. I don't give a fuck what people think about me. I really don't. And I think that's the difference, right? So many people are so hell-bent on, like, the judgment yeah. piece, mm-hmm. right? And that's, yeah. and that's understandable. We're all fucking human. I get it. Right. But there comes a point where you're going to have to say, fuck society. This is my world. This is what I'm creating. Let's just fucking do it. If you don't like it, cool. I'll find somebody who likes it. And if nobody likes it, cool. But I like it. Right. So let me do it. That's the trick. That's the mm. when you stop worrying about the judgment, then your life and everything that you do becomes fucking magical, because you're doing it for the right reasons. You're doing it for yourself. One hundred. And that's the right reason. That's the right reason. Right. You're doing it all for you and for your wants and for everything. And that's right. But it's but you can't teach that, and you no, can't you and can't. you can't preach that. No. It, it's it's a personal experience that people have. On their own merit, on their own time. I can't get mad at people. I can't understand it of why people aren't like that. But at the same time, I can, right? Because you can't teach it. You can't look at somebody and be like, what's the matter with you? Why can't you fucking do it? That's, that's bullshit. You can't tell somebody that, right? You can't, can, you can't force somebody to be in that level in their life. They have to make the conscious decision to say, you know what? Fuck you. Like, you don't like me? Cool. You don't like what I do? Cool. I'm going to find somebody else who does. Cool. That's a hard thing. It's a hard transition into life that so many people 
miss out on. Miss out on. And yeah. the problem is, though, is that they're not surrounding themselves by the right people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If it wasn't for Dion, if it wasn't for you, right. and I'm serious, I don't get fucking support from anybody on the daily like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It makes a world of difference. So... I'm just looking at you, booze. Oh, God. <laughs> no, but seriously, I think I think the key to it is you tell me who, and I love that quote, tell me who you surround yourself with on the daily, and I'll tell you exactly who the fuck you are. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. Mm-hmm. When you are surrounding yourself by energy suckers, you are not going to have the energy to do what the fuck you want to do. Yes. Right? Yeah. But the support, and I want you guys to really fucking genuinely think about it right now. How much have you supported? Seriously, it doesn't matter what we have back and forth, our good times or bad times. How much support do you give? Do we give each other in this table right here alone? Fucking endless amounts. Yeah, endless amounts. I'd say we try. It's not even, we try. bro. Whatever. You. Know, I mean, I'm serious. We're here now, right? We're right. here talking about this thing. Right. But like, you think about it. I don't take that shit for granted mm-hmm. because I've never had that kind of support. Yeah. But when I realized that I could find that support, mm-hmm. changes everything. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Dude, I was fucking playing on a loop pedal with a guitar that was so busted down on a shitty amp in front of rednecks at a bar when I first got on stage. You want to talk about somebody who was fucking nervous. But it was like, fuck it. I'm having a blast. And I sounded good. I sounded... Oh, yeah. I was doing my shit. Sounded like... <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Yeah, see exactly. But it, it took it took it it takes you pushing yourself to that point where you're saying, okay, I, I did that. Mm-hmm. You can't forget the shit that you've done either, right? That's huge. Coming out of your comfort zone doesn't matter what it looks like. You know that coming out of your comfort zone. You starting your podcast. You remember that? Oh my god, yes. Right. <laughs> we all. I had. Nothing. <laughs> no outline. Nothing. Nothing. Just jump right in. But you it. fucking jumped in, bro. Yeah, and look at you feet, now. Feet fucking first. killing it. I mean, and that's what it takes. It takes that. I don't know what the fuck this is going to look like. I got to be honest with myself. Who gives a fuck if it sucks? I don't care. But I'm going to do it. Right. Once you overcome that shit, this is where you get to. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And that that is the, ultimately, that is the the message in this movie is that it doesn't fucking matter. And you're right. What you said earlier, everything that I've done in my life came to this movie. Yeah. It was my audio editing that I yeah. had to teach myself yeah. for as a band. My promos, my music, my, you know, acting. Photography. Photography, cinematography, fucking editing, yeah. all of it. Um, uh, uh, managing people. Um, uh, being a mentor to people, all that stuff. It's hard. It all came to a head. Yep. You know, and that's why I personally think if you don't keep doing this, we're missing out. Yeah? Yeah, I'm missing out. So you got to keep doing it. <laughs> he just want to change his hair again. He does. <laughs> I do, yeah. He wants his mohawk again. Yeah. He's going to no, I didn't have the, the long hair. You're going to play the evil white man in the third the big part. big pussy you know that, right? hair. The what? The evil white man. Evil white man. Mm-hmm. That's that's gonna. Why, be the why name. do I have to be the evil white? Because you're gonna be in Durango, Mexico. I'm not gonna be an evil. I, I'll try it though. 
<laughs> okay, so you'll be the you'll be the nice guy, the nice white man who ends up being evil. Okay, okay, right, now right. that sounds pretty good. There you go. <laughs> I can pull that off. Yeah, just. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. All right, it is now time for a segment that we like to call, let me just say this. All right, so basically what it is, is an open discussion, open soapbox. You can praise or rant about anything you want. It is uncensored, unfiltered, anything goes. The floor is yours. I will start, I'm, be, I'm gonna be quick. Um, let me just say this. Christians telling other Christians or other people, let me backtrack, Christians telling other people or judging other people is not Christian-like. Mm. So what I, what I hate, and this is coming from a damn Christian, so don't get it twisted. I am a, actually, I'm a preacher kid. My mom's an apostle. She's a minister. So I'm not the one to judge other people as far as who they are, <laughs> who they date, who they fuck, who they, uh, who they hang out with or associate with or any other type of religion that they practice. That's not my M.O. That's not what I do. And as a Christian, you're supposed to love all God's children. You can't be going around, oh, Proverbs 4, chapter 13, verse, and I love all God's children except the blacks, except the Muslims, except the gays. No, that's not how that shit works. That's not how that shit works. You love all God's children. God created everybody. Whether you believe in God or not, we're all God's children. We're all created, and we're all human. So, that's the, that's the most toxic thing, and I would say in a black household, Christianity. You're taught certain things. You're taught, you're basically taught to read the Bible, pay your tithes, go to church, and be conformed into this actual toxic-ass person to where you're not open-minded to anybody else, anybody's uh, character traits, anybody else's religion, anybody else's uh, marital status, sexual orientation, that is frowned upon and just something that's rooted evil to you where you're going to burn in hell for it. No, you're going to burn in hell because you're trolling other people's Facebook page about that's not Christian-like or that's not God-like. I mean, when you're the main one that got fucking skeletons in your goddamn closet, right. the Casting same the pastor, the, yes, the same pastor that you idolize and praise about this hate that he's feeding y'all is the same motherfucker who's probably cheating on his wife with Amen. a with a gay guy. No, no shit. <laughs> on the side, like I don't get the fact that Christians have to act this way. And there's a difference between white Christians and black Christians. Uh oh. Black Christians, they're just taught, oh, that's just a sin. You know, uh, what you're doing is wrong. But if you repent and just change your life, you should be good. You know, you should be you should be normal. That's what's taught. The white Christians, as soon as you sneeze, you're gonna rot in hell, you're gonna burn through all eternity because you didn't sneeze the God way. <laughs> Everything with a black Christian is like, uh, I don't fuck with that. I don't rock with that. You know, I'm the, I'm, I'm just going to pray for you. 
white Christians, oh, you're going to burn in hell. I can't save your soul. You know, you just rooted around, you just rooted and just uh, toxic around me where I can just literally go out in public, in public places, and shout and scream with no fucking mask on, saying that God is going to kill all of you because I'm protected by the blood of Jesus. I don't need a fucking mask on. Bitch, it's been a whole fucking year since we've been on this damn Pantene Pro B, and you're still walking around these pub these private fucking businesses not wearing a goddamn mask because you're you're uh, rooted in the blood of Jesus because you don't need one. Bitch, go home. <laughs> this is exactly why I, t- like I said this earlier. This is exactly what happens when white people stay in a house all fucking uh, few months <laughs> quarantining. No, I just changed my hair. That's all I did was change my hair. That's, He's well, not that's, talking about you. <laughs> not you, white people. White people in general. Okay. It's just I, you cannot be I'm doing shit. You cannot be doing shit like that. And now I'm not trying to throw the race card because black people do it too. But black people, we got common sense because you know we don't want to be banned from dealers. They like going to dealers. They like getting them damn shoes. They like getting all that shit. You know, you you can't be doing shit like that. You can't be sprouting out hate when you're praising. A person that created all of us, right? You can't be doing it. That's just fast. Well, and and a, and and his son who loved and accepted all of us, and all then, of us. And then on top of that, like I'm all about accepting any and everybody. Yeah. If I marry a fucking turtle, I shouldn't be going to hell for that. Sure. You cannot be telling me, oh, that's frowned upon because you're not marrying a human. Okay, I'm gonna love the fuck out this goddamn turtle. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. That should be my. That should be my. That's my process. That's my way of life. How I want to live it. Live your life. I don't get. It's we should not be judging people as far as who they are. Just be human. Amen. Just be a damn human. This I'm not gonna say the whole world, but this country is fucked up as it is. So I don't have time to entertain an ignorant person because they don't like my lifestyle. They don't like who I am. They don't like that I have a probably a pimple or a damn piercing on my nose or lips or whatever because it's not what God wanted. God didn't want you to be a bitch. How about that? I'm done. Okay, so I would classify that as a rant. <laughs> and not a... Yo, but that's true though. It's rage. facts, man. It's yeah. facts. Yeah. Mr. Christian, you ready to rock it? Let me just say this. Being that it is Cinco de Mayo and I am a Mexican, I better not hear anybody who was screaming and demanding that a wall be built be found at an El Vaquero or an El Carrizo on a margarita night eating Mexican food. You know they're going to be there because, first off, their food is seasoned. They are there. And they already, like margaritas. They love their margaritas. They got to have their They got to have their margaritas. <laughs> On margarita night. You know, but they're also there like once a week and they, you know, the, yeah, the same Karens who are bitching my people out are the yeah. same ones who are like, can I get some quesadillas? Dillas. To Pablo, the waiter. Yeah. Who loves, you know, shaking his shit in front of Mr. Smith's wife. Like, it's fucked up, man. The whole <laughs> thing's fucked up. <laughs> anyway, just stop being racist, people. Yeah. Please. Please. That's all. That's it? Mm-hmm. I'll be nice. My turn. <clears throat> oh, fuck. 
Let me just say this. Do not come at me sideways anymore. I'm going to be tactful. I'm going to be professional. But I'm going to call you out right in front of everybody. I have gotten back to my eighth grade self. And in eighth grade, if you said anything negative or derogatory towards me. They got knocked the fuck out. I have wasted no time. I laid into you with everything I had. Now. Amen. I didn't always win. It's okay. But I'm tired. I'm getting tired. I'm 47. Are they picking on you? People aren't picking on me, but people are picking on my people. And I, I'm tired of that. I'm about to knock somebody out, aren't you? I'm not going to knock somebody out, but I'm going to call you out. Okay. And I'm going to straighten you out. You know what we call that, bro? Holding them accountable. Hashtag. Oh, we're going to hold some people accountable. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm tired of the bullshit. And it's going to happen. Like, You're about to lose I'm going to be the one. And you don't want me to be the one. I'm going to be the one. we got to get some bail money ready, bro. I feel... Uh, this is just what's coming. This is just... I can feel it. You're going to go off on somebody. It. They're going to be bitching at your people, and you're going to be like, listen here, motherfucker. Yeah. Like that flash... I'm going to have a flashback. Dude. Yeah. Like to the that, time when that I was one like time. Fuck around you. the table. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm out. <laughs> around the table. I swear to God. I can feel it coming, dude. You're so right. You're so right. Is it coming for real? I can feel it. Oh, fuck. I can feel it. Do you feel it? I feel it now. That's probably Deanna, why you're so it? emotional earlier. I was very emotional. Like, Motherfucker! When we took our break, when we took our break, oh my gosh, yeah. But I'm just getting tired of things. Just, just don't come at me sideways. Don't come at my people sideways. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to embarrass you <laughs> in the most professional and tactful way that I possibly can. Yeah, yeah. Because you got to kill them with kindness. That, that's that's part of my that's part that's the first chapter that's the title of my first chapter in my book, Kill Him with Kindness. Basically, what Brian is saying: Run up, get done up. Hey, <laughs> run up, <laughs> get done up. Knock if you buck. That's what Brian is. Knock it up. Knock <laughs> if you buck. I'm just bitch. tired, man. I'm tired. You know, there are a lot of rude people out there, though. I I don't like people who treat people. Just mean yeah. and disrespectfully. What's the point in that? Can I add something to that? Yeah, please. Okay, so I we worked in the same area. We've dealt with a lot of the same people and a lot of the same culture, right? Do not ever let anybody tell you to have empathy for them if they're coming from a toxic place. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Right? Yep. Where they are asking for an excuse for their toxic behavior. To the level that you're talking about. Yeah. To that fuckery. Right. Right? You're going to hear a lot of people that say, oh, no, you have to have a lot of empathy, and you have to really be in a good place in your life. It doesn't matter what place you are in your life. Standing up for what is right is always the best thing to do. That's all I'm going to say about it. Always. Always. Because it doesn't matter if we're in a peaceful place in our life or if we're ready to take a fucking baseball bat to somebody's kneecaps. Because we all get to one or the other. Right? Yes. Do what's right. Do what's right all the time, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Stand up for what's right. Mm-hmm. 
Brian has been woke for the past year and a half. Has neither. And I, I like the woke Brian. <laughs> you like the you like the year like, and a half. You friend. put him in I a like lobby and look what you get. <laughs> I, I like the woke Brian. <laughs> Brian has been woke. I love it. Brian's about to take some motherfuckers out, man. Right. I'm here for it. <laughs> it is funny because I never see. You never seen that side of him before. <laughs> no, and it's, remember the first time you met Brian. Brian was just so chill, like, shirt tucked in, all casual, <laughs> just having a nice little beer. Brian and then now, a transformation. He has been lit. I told you, this is what happens when the white people stay in the house. You know, you find your inner Sometimes, sometimes in a good way and sometimes in a bad way. Right, You're going to have, we've had some bad ones out in the bunch and we've had some good ones and Brian came out the good way. Oh, thank God. You are, dude. You're a fucking gem, dude. I love you guys so much. You're a fucking gem, dude. Don't ever, ever think otherwise. I'm going to start crying again. You can cry, baby. It's okay. Do not make me No, let him cry. Let him cry. Fuck you guys, man. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) No, listen. You are a fucking gem. I love both of you to my core. You're the only people that I fucking hang out with outside of my house. God dang it. I got to take a break. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody go watch my fucking movie on YouTube, please. Yes. Yes. Two bosses. Um, I will put the link in the description to Bosses on YouTube. Thank it you is so a much for having movie. us though, for real. Full-length movie. Um, follow us on IG at Dion's Roundtable. Uh, we have merch, and we're also available on Stitcher. So, again, Two Bosses is available on YouTube. I'll put the link in the description. Christian, Brian, do you have any final words? I just want to say thank you, dude. I love you, and I missed um, you. I miss. It's been a while. I have not seen. <laughs> I've seen Christian since the day before my birthday. Fucking. Oh, and that was in October. So Shit. that's what the hug was about earlier. I did not get that. I thought it was just hugging it out. You know, we haven't seen each other. We haven't seen months. each other in months. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this. This is a special time. This man. is a good. This is. This a good is moment. a good time. Yes, I love you, dude. Oh, thank you. I love you too, Brian. Do you have any final words? Besides cussing a bitch out. <laughs> it was like, mm. no, nah, I got it all out already. I'm good. Oh. I'm so good. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Hey. And can I please say to the listeners, thank you for supporting my friend Dion. It oh means a lot God. to me. Thank <laughs> you for supporting for sure. my friend. Yes, absolutely, because it means a lot to me. If, if he's happy, I'm happy. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Oh, Don't thank cry, you. baby. <laughs> Don't oh my cry, goodness. baby. No, seriously, thank you guys so much for supporting Dion's podcast. And please tell a friend, seriously, yes. because uh, we need more platforms like this. We really do. I'm on beer number six. <laughs> okay. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> Ruin the moment. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you all I'm for being kidding. part of the round table. Um, we're still working on story time with Queen. I'm not sure when that's happening. I got to check on with I love her. Queen. She's so fucking funny. Shout out her. to Queen and yes, King. Love you, Queen. And, and King. King. And King. Love you, dude. Um, but yeah, I'm hungry. I'm about to pop up in an air fryer. And I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Adios.
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 